This is the Tribune Audio Network. Hi. Hi. Welcome to Sip Survive Repeat. Oh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> Kenny. We want to start that over? No. <laughs> That's this is Danelle. This is Jenny. And I'm Kenny. <laughs> I don't think we start that over. Okay. We just, just leave it. it. This is a podcast about survival stories. And we also drink wine or other adult beverages during the podcast. Exactly. So, that is exactly right. Shout out. <laughs> Not our network, but wish it was. It's fine. Shout it out. Just putting it out there. Putting it out there, ladies. Okay. Um, so here we are. It is uh, the middle of January. Mm-hmm. Almost the end. It's cold. It's cold as thick. It's snowing in Cleveland. Uh-huh. It's coming down. Um, tell us about your weekend, Danelle. Um, I was babysitting my niece and nephew they're twins mm-hmm. we went to disney on ice mm-hmm. um it was a shit show getting out of there i we don't have kids so <laughs> i was a little nervous <laughs> taking someone else's kids to a large event uh-huh and people are monsters leaving those arenas yes. like they like we're running you over and i've got little kids with me mm-hmm. but they were really excited and they had a great time Aww. and ruby my niece just before we left, she was like, okay, I'm going to go upstairs and put on my makeup. She's five. Oh, my God. That's so cute, though. And then she wanted to have a whole conversation about eye masks. She wanted to know if I had one, how many, if I wore it, because she brought hers with her. You know, like the mask you put over your eyes to sleep at night. Oh, yeah. She has one. Oh. I mean, she's like five going on 25. That's so pretty cute, She's though. adorable. I like it. We had a great time. Aww. I was exhausted on Sunday, but it um, was great. How about you? Well, I can tell you about how I was a terrible mother over the weekend. It was great. Uh, So maybe moms can relate to this. I don't know. I, Donald was out of town for work. And so I was alone with Declan. And I definitely laid down on the couch on Saturday afternoon. Mm -hmm. And I thought I was just like dozing. Oh, I was very unconscious. Because when I woke up. Declan was doing a full-blown experiment in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. I woke up, and there were, like, plates everywhere. Plastic, oh. thankfully. Plastic plates, and then little plastic cups filled halfway with water. Uh-huh. There were probably about 20 cups filled halfway with water. He was squirting soap into them, and then squirting Febreze into them. Oh. And then mixing them with a spoon to see if they changed color. I mean, at least he's scientific. I don't know. <laughs> real cute creative but i was definitely like i mean listen the stove wasn't on (laughs) the knives were put away you're fine okay then oh it doesn't stop there oh (laughs) when i went to go look and see what he was doing he had like red mark on his face and it looked like red marker or something Mm -hmm. on his face and i was like where'd you get that and he's like nowhere you know like being real Mm -hmm. stealth about it later that night after i put him to bed I came downstairs and he got a new easel, an art easel from my parents for Christmas. Oh, no. And it's in our dining room right now. Okay. And um, I look over and there's just a big swatch of blue paint on the white trim oh. of the dining room. And then I look down and all like the little paint cups that you're supposed to pour a little bit of paint in yeah. were filled to the brim <gasps> with the paints. Oh, no. And the red paint was just like oozing over. So that's where it came <laughs> from? I was like... <laughs> 
I like couldn't even be mad. Like A, he did that by himself. Good for you. Yeah. B, he didn't wake me up, which was nice of him. You got your nap in. But like, I, after I figured that out and I was like, oh my God, between the experiment and the like paint situation, I probably should have been keeping a little better eye on him. Uh, I mean, it sounds like he's got it taken care of. He's good. So anyway, that was my... I mean, my... that's kind of what you get for getting an easel for a five-year-old, though. I mean, I didn't. My parents Parents. Did. Parental units. Oh, mom and dad. Uh, but it was it was cute. Um, I, and they're probably watercolors, right? I would um, think so. They're like water-based, so yeah. like they came off. Like I just used a little um, Mr. Clean Eraser. That Declan. So, so cute. So that's what I did, uh, apparently, is I slept while my son entertained himself. Hopefully that nap was real good. It, it obviously must have been needed. Like, yeah. I really thought I was just dozing. Uh-huh. And, cause, oh, Kenny's Kenny. dropping his phone. Kenny. Um, I, my bad, my bad. I definitely, though, did not hear any of this going on. <laughs> How long do you think you were out for? Like, was it one of those really deep sleeps where you wake yeah. up and you're confused and you're, like, yes. a little scared because you're, like, how long was I sleeping? Yeah. I think probably, like, an hour. Yeah. Maybe an hour and a half. Mm. Uh, anyway, don't call Child Protective Services on me, people. He is fine. He's fine. <laughs> he was, He's into art. He was it's very... Fine. and And into science. <laughs> Apparently. It was real cute. That's cute. Yeah. Anyway, that's what I did. Kenny, did you have a good weekend? Yeah, it was a good weekend. Great. Like, had a game night on Friday. Didn't do much Saturday, Sunday. Packers lost on Sunday. Kind of sucks, but Listen, I'm no, getting over Nobody it. listening to this podcast watches sports. Just in case they do, you know. It sucks. <laughs> in case they do, go Packers. Oh, wait, they're out. Yeah, oh. yeah, they are. But oh, other sad. than that, you know, good relaxing weekend. Good. Yeah. Here we are. And here we are talking about survival. Not survival. Oh, you guys, we Great. just ate lunch and I ate a whole wheel of brie. I'm in a coma a little bit. It's fine. Um, I also, oh, before we get started, I just have to tell you all about my new favorite drink. It is called a New York Sour. Mm-hmm. And if you guys want to make it at home, it is bourbon, lemon juice, simple syrup, and then you put a, a red wine topper. The red wine just floats at the top of this drink. It is. It's like a kiss. It's to die. I love it. I did have mm-hmm. one last Friday and it was really good. The one I had today was even better. Mm-hmm. The one the other Friday, I feel like, was like, okay. Okay, so I need another You need another try. go. Okay. You need another go. And I haven't been drinking because I've been doing dry January. Right. I mean, semi-dry. Yeah. So I feel like anything I would have had last <laughs> Friday was strong. Like, it was strong. It but... was very strong. Um, but anywho, yeah. So that's that's my new drink of choice, if anyone's interested in She's that. She's really into it, guys. Like, every time I go out, I have to explain to a bartender what it is. Nobody knows what it is. Yeah. It's, like, real old. Like, I feel like it's been around for a really long time, mm-hmm. and so I'm just making it have a comeback. It's basically a whiskey sour with wine on top I'm just going to start ordering Midori sours. Ah. Ah. Takes me back to college. That's ah. all I would drink. I'd be like, can I get it? We'd be at the bowling alley. Hey. The 11th you... frame lounge. I'd be like, can I get a Midori sour? Do you guys have any Boone's Farm? I'll take can you put Boone's it... with a straw. Can you put it in a brown paper bag? An ice, please? <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> okay. Okay. Ready? Okay. Um, You want to go first? Yeah. I'll okay. go first because mine's kind of short. Okay. All right. I'm ready. So. Mm-mm-mm. So, did you know that January of 2019, Ebola, one year ago, one year ago, mm-hmm. Ebola. Remember that virus? I do. Remember that I'm, nasty little ditty? I'm familiar. Um, found its way back into the spotlight with a recent outbreak through the Congo of Africa. 
No, I did not. I didn't know this either. And so far at that time, well, I guess 319 people died from that little outbreak. That was in January of 19. Of last year. Okay. So I'm just using that as an opener. Okay. To talk about some facts about Ebola, and then we're going to tell you a little survival story about Ebola. Amazing. Great. So here are eight <clears throat> essential facts that you okay. need to know. Good. I'm ready. About Ebola. Number one. Have I ever told you I'm very fascinated by diseases? I am too. This podcast will kill you if you haven't heard it before. It's pretty good. I like it. I like to know like what it does to your body, like how it makes you (laughs) like grossed out. Although this, Uh, I don't, I have some details on, but I feel like we all kind of know what a bowl is. I don't know anything. Well, here are eight facts that you need to know about it. Okay. Um, Scientists believe that it starts in animals and spreads to humans, like bats. Ooh, okay. Um, Monkeys, um, forest antelope. Oh, is is there something um, other than forest antelope? I don't know. Porcupines. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't realize. Uh, so these are he, all animals I don't have a lot of contact with. Yeah, these are a lot of also a lot of African because it's ba- it started near the Congo River. Okay, that's why. Or Got no, it. I'm sorry. It started. It started near mm-hmm. the Ebola River. Oh right, and that's why it's. Called. I have I have heard of that. Okay, yeah. so okay, okay, okay. Um, okay, number two, you can catch it through contact with body fluids Ooh. and even dead bodies. Uh-oh. So like mucus, like eye mucus, or like if you sneeze and mm-hmm. like a little drop goes in my mouth, which is disgusting, Gross. or like even through like your sweat glands, I think, like through your... Can I just tell you that sometimes when things are transmitted through bodily fluids, I get nervous because I have um, like overactive salivary, salivary glands. So a lot of times, you know, when you like open your mouth and it like squidooshes. Yes. And gleek. Like, it's called gleek. Yeah. Yes. A gleek happens and all uh-huh. this like spit comes out of your mouth and you're like, shit, I didn't mean for that to happen. Like what it you happens did to, me, to me. It happens to me all the time. You did that to me the other day and you're like, yes! oh my God, I just gleeked in your drink. I'm like, it's fine. I trust <laughs> Well, it wouldn't you. be fine if I had Ebola, apparently. No, it would not. Okay. So right. you can get it through like your eyes, nose, mouth. It can be passed through sexual contact, needle sharing, obviously. Um, bum, 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 bum. number three, the worst outbreak occurred in 2014 to 2016, which is mm. the story that I'm going to tell you here in oh, a minute. Okay. Um, and it also was an outbreak in West Africa that more than 28,600 infections oh. and over 11,000 deaths Jeez. in 2014 to 2016. Jesus, that's a lot of people. It's the deadliest epidemic of the Ebola history. Jeez. Um, next is the problem with this illness, or disease rather, is that it mimics other system, sy- system, oh boy, symptoms, thank you, uh-huh. like the flu. Mm-hmm. So you get like fever, um, vomiting, diarrhea, so you're not really sure you have it mm. until it's too late. Oh, God. Uh, bleeding is common in the later stages. Bleeding, like in your vomit and poop, everywhere. Um, out of your pores, out of your eyes. Boom. <laughs> external bleeding, <laughs> internal bleeding. Um, the patient's eyes may become fully red. Oh. You vomit blood. You poop blood. You just have lots of blood. That's absolutely it's horrendous. Um, it's often fatal, which we know. Well, yeah, um, I would think so. Typically, about 50% is the death rate. Oh, that's a terrible death rate. Um, but it can also range from 25 to 90%, depending on where the outbreak is and what kind of you know, medical staff's available. Uh, vaccines are in the works, and they're already being used, but they're not confirmed 100%. Mm-hmm. And there's no cure. That's number eight. So <clears throat> here we go. Oh, God. Okay. With those facts being known, here's yes. the survival story of Nina Pham. Um, this is October of 2014. 
She is a nurse at the Dallas, Texas Health Presbyterian Hospital. Okay. She's 26, so thinks she's probably like a couple years in her career. She's feeling fly. She's working for a big hospital. Yeah. When you're 26, she's got you it going are, on. Yeah, you are invincible. And she's a nurse, so she's making great money. Good. These are all the things that, and she's adorable. We'll post pictures. Um, okay. Clearly, she's smart if she's a nurse. So, um, this is the. Year, so yeah, October 2014th, um, let's see, uh, Thomas Duncan, he's from Africa, arrived for care at the hospital, um, and he actually was the first patient diagnosed with Ebola on U.S. soil. Uh-oh. Ever. Uh-oh. So he... Contra- patient zero. Patient zero. He got Ebola in his native Liberia native country Liberia Mm -hmm. and became ill during a trip to the U S on the plane. So he contacted it in Africa and then on the flight over is when he started to like notice symptoms and stuff. Uh Um, he soon later died in the hospital that Nina worked at, but, um, she was actually called to be his nurse Mm -hmm. and she said that the sum total of information she was given to protect herself after being told that she'd be treating a patient that was suspected to have Ebola. So he wasn't even confirmed at this point is that her, the managing nurse above her Googled and printed out from the internet, the things you need to do to protect yourself from Ebola as far as like what to wear terrifying <laughs> dr google dr. at it again google. so she said that they were kind of in panic mode they weren't ready and her manager legit just printed a list from the internet they suited up and they started treating the patient oh um after that they had treated him um he then tested positive for the disease so afterwards they were like oh he really does have this and they were they realized that they were kind of in a little bit of trouble um on the first day she treated them him however uh, let's see. Okay, guys, listen. I usually have my computer in front of me and I'm using paper. And it's I'm really not cute. A, I'm not a fan. <laughs> I don't like it. I keep losing my place. It's fine. So <laughs> on the first day she treated him, um, this is before the Ebola was not suspected yet. Like they had a, an idea, but it wasn't for sure confirmed. She wore regular ice, an isolation gown, double gloves, a surgical mask with a plastic shield and double booties. Her hair and her neck were exposed. And she wasn't even given a chance, a change of clothes to wear home. <gasps> so she went home in the scrub she wore while treating him. No. So not only was her body parts exposed, they're supposed to be wearing like full like hazmat suits. Hazmat suits. Right. And this was not the case for her. And she went home, you know, hung out with friends and family afterwards, like did her normal routine because they didn't know any better. And she trusted her bosses oh. and the hospital crew. And yeah. So she was told at the time that what she wore was safe and had, and was not at risk. And again, she was confident in her, um, her bosses and the management team at the hospital that she believed them and just went on with her life. Two days later, she started to feel sick. And again, the symptoms, if you remember, they're similar to flu. Mm -hmm. So she was just kind of like, well, maybe I'm just coming down with something. I mean, I am at the hospital all the time, so it could be anything. I would immediately be like... And I now have Ebola. Well, the next day she did drive herself to the hospital and she was diagnosed with Ebola. So just prior to the diagnosis, she did ask the hospital for her privacy. And so she's in the hospital. They're testing her and testing her. And she said, listen, I don't want people to know um, if this is Ebola. I don't want my name to be on the public and, and to be interviewed or anything like that. 
Um, but instead, the hospital did use her name. Oh, shit. They asked her for quotes and released also a video of her in an isolation room. And I don't know if you remember this all going on in the panic. I vaguely remember it. So they released all this content of her and these interviews and stuff, and she felt super violated, and she feels that the hospital used her image and this situation to drum up positive publicity. Even though they totally fucked her over? Yeah. I think because they knew that they caught her um, symptoms in time that this was going to be a success story. So I think they were kind of like putting her on the spotlight to show like what they can do. I just feel like I'd be a dick and be like, hey, yeah, do you know why I got this? Because my... Because the people here at this hospital didn't take precautions. Exactly. So even when her actual physician told her that she was unable to make... It got so bad that they told her that she was unable to make medical decisions on her own. Oh, God. um, The hospital still asked for her consent to release information on her. So they weren't... They weren't treating her like a patient. They were treating her like a PR stunt, she felt like. Um, She felt ambushed. She said at one time someone brought in with uh, a GoPro camera that was attached to their, like, heads or whatever. And they were, like, when they were, like, checking her out and stuff, they had her on camera and stuff. She felt like a lab rat. Oh, my God. I know. I feel like that is... 100% 100% inappropriate. Right. The hospital at one point also released a statement saying that her health was in, that she was like on the mend when in reality her family was told on the side that things were not looking good. So they were telling the public one thing and then also making statements to her family about another thing. Um, a week later, after she was not getting better, she was transported to a medical hospital in Bethesda, Maryland for treatment. And about a week at that hospital, she was declared virus virus free, virus free on October twenty fourth. Um, so, so, like the hospital that was doing all this couldn't even cure her. Mm. She ended up being transferred. Now, I don't know if she was transferred also because her family was throwing a stink because they were throwing her name out there and stuff, or if she had to be transferred because they didn't have the right equipment or they didn't have the right like. I'm not sure. I'm going to um, just say it's because they're dicks. Yeah, exactly. So. She said that wherever she goes now, she's known as the Ebola nurse, and um, she did file a lawsuit, Mm -hmm. and she recently, actually in 2016, she won the lawsuit Mm, for an undisclosed amount. Mm, Good for you, girl. And she said that there's still a lot of um, PTSD that goes, that, that she's having after this, because again, people are afraid of her. She's lost friends. Some people won't like hang out with her because they think she still has the disease. Do they not know how diseases work? Well, I think there's just a lot of, you know, misconceptions about this. Also, a lot of the um, the drugs that they gave her to cure her, um, their tests, so they don't really know the side effects of the drugs. Like, you could have vision loss, hair loss. Um, she said she still has problems to this day. She has really bad nightmares about, you know, what she went through when she was in the hospital. Yeah. And again, in the, in the next 10 to 20 years, they're not really sure how these, like, test drugs are going to act on her body. So she is out of the, you know, she's in the clear. Everything's great. She did win her lawsuit. There was another nurse at that hospital that um, also had Ebola, and she has not sued the hospital at this point. But I don't think they released her name or anything like that. Like, I think Nina was just kind of like, you treated me like dick, so now I'm going to go after you and sue you. Well, yeah. And I don't believe she's a nurse anymore. I think she kind of got out of that field. That sucks. So that is um, the survival story of Nina Pham. But I do think it's important because it only took one person mm-hmm. to come over from Africa. And I don't know if you guys remember the whole panic of Ebola and how freaked. Like even in Cleveland. Yeah. 
I know it wasn't her. It might have been the other nurse, maybe, or someone was like flying. They took a flight to Cleveland, and then they ended up going back to mm-hmm, Texas. Mm-hmm. And I they do were, remember that. And it was like a whole huge panic, and everyone was scared. So um, there's there's like a new virus going on in Asia somewhere. Is it oh. China? Is it? Oh, I heard about that. It's like killing people rapidly. Really? Yeah. I'm like zombie apocalypse, except for it's not turning people into zombies. In so like don't worry. two days, it killed like 130 people wow. or something like that. It's insanity. So is it food related or is it It's a it's mysterious a virus. virus from what I've heard. I just heard about it yesterday. Like, Yeah. But. Well, because I feel like there were some some people that were taken off flights Oh, that yeah, had and it. Like, uh, I guess flying in the United States now, like you're getting checked more because of this. Mm-hmm. So yeah, be, that's like, very cautious it's right like, now. It's like TSA is checking you to make sure you don't have this virus. Well, we're such a travel society now I where know. if you, you know, you can go to Africa to Texas in, you know, a day and a half. Right. So he, the guy didn't know he had, well, I don't think not. he knew he had it, but one person on a plane caused this much panic and how many people died in Africa. It's, it's sad, but they are trying to come up with a vaccine. They're working on it. But again, what Nina took, she still doesn't know what's going to happen, you know, how it's going to affect her body in 10 to 20 years from now. Although I have to, I have to be honest, I think that's true of a lot of medical stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I feel for her for sure. And I'm uh-huh. glad she won whatever she mm-hmm. won in the lawsuit. But like LASIK vision correction, for example, is one where I remember when it first came out, everyone was like, what if it ruins your eyes eventually? Right. I mean, I don't think that's the case. I feel like it's been around long enough that everyone's I, cool, cool, cool. I just read a study that they're trying, there is an organization that's trying to reverse LASIK surgery saying that it's like bad for your eyes and that it can cause so much damage that we don't know about. I mean, I have it and it's, I think it's amazing. So right. Yeah. Whatever. I've, my dad's an eye doctor. That's the only reason I thought of that, but you know, it's, it's just crazy how much experimenting actually does go on with yeah humans. Yeah. I think she feels, I mean, she's definitely from what I've read, she's thankful that she's alive of course, but I feel it, she felt betrayed. Like of they course. put her name out there and now she was just kind of like this especially outcast after she was, in society. Especially like, since she was like, please don't. Right. Exactly. So. Did you look something up, Kenny? Yeah. I just want to say 130 people haven't died. 130 new people got the virus on Saturday though. Uh-huh. Which doubled what it was the and day it before. China? It's China. Okay. And Three so people have died so far. Like, imagine how that's going to spread. <sighs> yeah. And terrifying. they're worried about all the traveling because of the Lunar New Year. Which is, I guess, a big travel time for China. So that's why there's like all this health concern right now. Yeah. But they don't know where it's coming from or how it's spreading right now. Terrifying. Amazing, everyone. Great. Congrats. Okay. Well, that was really great. I liked it a lot. I'm terrified of Ebola. Yeah. I'm terrified of pretty much all diseases, though. So the pictures, if you look up, are awful. Okay. I don't want to look them. Don't. It's gross. Okay. Um, okay, I am doing the survival story of Stephen Stainer. Oh. <laughs> okay. Stephen. Stephen Stainer. Uh, <laughs> Jenny was not doing that on purpose. <laughs> nope, I'm sorry. I, I My nose is running a little bit. It's co- Like I said, it's cold as butt here in Cleveland. Okay. Uh, Stephen Stainer was the third of five children. Okay. Born to... My favorite new name. Tell me it. Delbert. Delbert? I love it. Delbert and Kay Stainer um, in Merced or Merced, California? Merced. Sure. Um, Stephen had three sisters and one older brother named Carrie. 
I will leave you with this thought, just so you know. In 2002, Carrie was convicted and sentenced to death for the 1999 murders of four women. What? One second. Kim just texted me because she's listening in the other room what the virus is called. Yeah. It's called the coronavirus. The corona? That corona. is not good for corona. No, not a, not a great brand. I mean, maybe it's pronounced differently in Chinese, but it's spelled But we pronounce corona. it corona, so <laughs> can I get a lime with that? Sales? Wouldn't that be funny if someone... No, it wouldn't be funny. If someone gets diagnosed and they're like, can I get a lime with that? So I you mean, have a if I ever got it, just... It's a good joke to make. It is a good joke. Yeah. So you're all, you're all welcome. If I die from it. Corona, you can make that joke about me. It's At fine. your funeral? Yep. Perfect. Okay, <laughs> Thanks, go on. Kim. Sorry, didn't want to interrupt, but <laughs> if I didn't say it now, I would have forgot by the end. Yeah. True, 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 true. So say that statement again, because I was kind of a bombshell. Okay, bombshells so. of the coronavirus. Okay, <laughs> just so you all know, this has nothing to do with the story, but in 2002, oh. his older brother, Carrie. <laughs> Wait, Jenny. No, no, no. <laughs> Carrie is his older brother. And he was... Com- and he, Carrie was convicted and sentenced to death for the 1999 murders of four women. So, like, his older brother is a killer. Oh, and it has nothing, nothing to do with the story. Okay. <laughs> no, it's just unfortunate. Well, sidebar. But, yeah, okay. Unfortunate sidebar. Unfortunate sidebar for Carrie. It does come in a little later in, like, a weird way. You'll see. Okay. It's December 4th, 1972. Okay. And Stephen Stainer... Uh, was approached on his way home from school by a man who said that he was, um, oh, what did he say? Uh, he's an, he, was an ins- he was an aspiring minister, was what this guy said. Mm. His name was mm. Irvin Edward Murphy. And uh, he, had work- uh, he was working with uh, Kenneth Parnell, and they both worked at a resort in Yosemite National Park. So you have Irvin Murphy mm-hmm. and Kenneth Parnell. Okay. They're both working at Yosemite National Park at some sort of resort. Okay? In the ministry. Well, this is what Irvin is telling Got it. young Stephen, that he's in the ministry. Um, he was trying to uh, raise money for the ministry, and so he, uh, he found Stephen after school one day and was like, Give me your I'm, lunch money. I'm, Give me all your lunch He's money, like, Give kid. Me $2. It's for God. Right. It's for God. No. Um, <laughs> so uh, he was passing out gospel tracts. I think like, mm. I'm guessing papers, not like, I'm guessing CDs. not. not, not no, well, no, it was okay. the 70s. 70s. So not tapes. It says tracks. C, uh, T-R-A-C-T-S. Maybe eight Pamphlets? Tracks? No, oh. pamphlets, I'm thinking. Okay. Anyway. We're, we're not old enough to know. I'm going to envision a pamphlet. All right. So got Murphy uh, got instructions from Parnell. So Murphy is the guy who's like, I'm a minister and I'm raising money. And Parnell is his friend who worked with him at the Yosemite okay. Resort. So Murphy was told, go pass out these gospel tracts to boys walking home from school. And then also you can ask like, hey, do you think your parents would ever want to donate to the ministry? Blah, blah, blah. So... Uh, Murphy spotted uh, Stephen, and um, he was. He said, "I'm taking donations." He said, "Can I um, can I talk to your mom about getting a donation?" And he said, "You know, I can give you a ride to your house." Mm-mm. Little little seven year old Stephen, seven. He was seven Aww. years old. He said, "Stephen, I can take you to her house. Do you think your mom would be interested?" And Stephen's like, "Yeah, I think my mom would be totally into donating to the church because it's the '70s and nobody knew any better." Mm-mm. Um, so. Murphy said, okay, great. Show me where you live and I will take you to your house and we'll get that donation. So after Stephen agreed, he got into a white Buick, 
which was driven by Parnell, the mm. Yosemite friend. Yeah. Um, and they drove a very confused little Stephen, who was seven, to a cabin oh, in Kathy's, Kathy's Valley. Mm. Um, this, one of the saddest parts of this. Okay, so basically Murphy and Parnell, mm-hmm. the two dudes, kidnapped Stephen, who was seven, and took him to a cabin. The cabin was several hundred feet from Stephen's grandfather's residence, oh, but he didn't know how close no, he was. He's only seven. Yeah, he was fucking seven. Oh, All right. So sad. All right. So, what I didn't mention in the beginning is Parnell is a known child molester. Oh, great. And he so has. So, do you think they? Sorry to interrupt you. Do you think that they had planned on kidnapping a kid? Or, yes. Okay. That so was the whole was point the of this. Okay. This was. They this, weren't really trying to get. They weren't trying to raise money for the ministries. Got it. (laughs) Or hand out the gospel tracts. I didn't think so, but I just wanted to make sure. (laughs) Nope. This was all about getting kids, prepubescent kids specifically, and little boys. Um, So Parnell, who was the molester in this group of awful, um, I mean, he started molesting little Stephen the first night he was at the cabin. Um, After 13 days is when he started raping little seven-year-old Stephen. Oh. Um. He, Stephen told Parnell, like, I want to go home. I want to go home. Um, but Parnell told Stephen, who's seven, um, no, I have legal custody because your parents don't want you anymore. What a dick. It's because he said, your parents can't afford so many children. Remember they had five, I think. Mm-hmm. He's like, yeah, they can't afford so many. So they gave me legal custody of you. That just even after hanging out with my niece and nephew who are five, they're so innocent and sweet and just mm-hmm. I can't even a seven year old's the same. Like that just breaks my heart. Yeah, it's so disgusting. So he started calling Stephen a different name. He called him Dennis Gregory Parnell, and he started passing him off as his son. Oh. Um, he did enroll him in various schools. So this is going on. This has gone on for a while then. Mm-hmm. Um, over the next several years, uh, he passed himself off as Stephen's father, and they moved frequently around California. Um, they lived in locations like Santa Rosa and Compche, Compche, C O M P T C H E, Compche. Sure, sure. Um, you guys are like, I don't know. Oh. Um, he Parnell. Uh, the molester, Chester the molester, that's what I'm going to call him from now on, uh, allowed Stephen to begin drinking at a very young age, and he was allowed to come and go as he pleased, which is weird because he, um, Stephen never used these opportunities to well, escape because at this point he's very... He's been told that his family doesn't want Yeah, them. he's basically relying on Parnell. He's a little kid. Yeah. Um, so Parnell went from one menial job to the other... Um, and some of the work required travel and he would leave Steven alone because he would travel and just leave him home by himself. Oh my God, yeah. Um, adult Steven said at one point he could have used, easily used these absences to flee, but he was not sure how to get help. Like, cause he was so little, he just yeah. didn't know. I'm and sure he's a lot of guilt from that too. Not that I'm he should. Sure. I'm just saying like looking back as an adult, you, you know, have, can make logical decisions like that where you look back at um, let's see. One of the few positive aspects of Stephen's life with Parnell was the dog he received as a gift from him. It was a Manchester Terrier, and he named it Queenie. Mm-hmm. Um, the dog was given to Parnell by his mother. Um, 
and the mother Parnell's mother didn't know Stephen, the little boy, was oh. living with him. But that's yes, that's beside the point. Okay, he did something nice by giving this kid a dog right. to take care of. Fine, good for you. You you dick. get zero gold stars. Okay, <laughs> zero stars. I do not recommend. Um, so. There was also a period of 18 months when a woman named Barbara Matthias lived with Parnell and Stephen. Okay. Uh, and according to Stephen, Matthias and Parnell both raped him oh on a regular basis. And he was around the age of nine. Oh. Like, gross, you guys. Disgusting. Okay. Um, in 1975, um, Parnell, uh, on Parnell's instruction, Matthias tried to lure another young boy um, into uh, Parnell's car. The attempt with, was unsuccessful, though. So, phew. Um, later, Matthias claimed that she never knew that Stephen was, in fact, a kidnapped kid. Oh, I'm like, stop. Oh. I'm like, oh. oh, I'm sorry. You tried to kidnap someone else, but right. you didn't know this kid was right. kidnapped, and you're raping him? Yeah. Like, like ma'am. Come on. Get it together. All right. So now we're at the good part. The escape. Okay, good. The escape. Thank you. Okay. Steven started to enter puberty. And Parnell, being a child molester, needed some younger blood. Mm-hmm. So he started to look for somebody to kidnap. Um, Parnell had used Steven before to attempt to kidnap children. I was going to ask you if he used him to... Yeah, but they were... So far, none were successful. Um... So Parnell thought that Stephen lacked the means to be an accomplice. Yeah. yeah. You think? <laughs> leave, this, leave this poor kid alone. Um, Stephen said later that he intentionally sabotaged all of these kidnappings. He's like, I don't want another kid to go through what I've mm. been going through. Okay. On February 14th, 1980, Parnell and a teenage friend of Stephen named Randall Sean Poorman kidnapped five-year-old Timothy White. Five. You were just with five-year-olds. Yeah. My, my son is almost five. So, yeah. Um, when they kidnapped him and the little boy realized what happened, um, he begged and begged to go home to his parents. Um, and motivated in part by seeing this little boy's distress, Stephen decided that he had to return the boy to his parents. Oh, okay. Good. Okay. So go on, Steven. Go Steven. On March 1st, 1980, while Parnell was away at his night security job, Steven left with little boy white. What was his first name? I like to call the kids Sean, by their first name. Sean, I think. Tim. Tim. Oh, Timmy. Um, he was unable to locate white's home address. Um, so he and, um, Tim decided, Steven and Tim decided to walk to a nearby police station, um, and ask for help. Uh, what happened was when they got there, he decided to have Tim walk into the police station and ask for help without Stephen. Okay. Um, police officers spotted and detained both of them though. And Stephen immediately identified white and then revealed his own true identity and his story. Please tell me they believed him. By daybreak on March 2nd, Parnell had been arrested on suspicion of abducting both boys. And when police checked into his background, they found a previous sodomy conviction from 1951. Oh, God. Both children were reunited with their families, and in 1981, Parnell was tried and convicted of kidnapping both White and Stainer, so Timmy and uh, Stephen, 
and uh, he had two separate trials, and he was sentenced to seven years. I'm, what? I'm sorry. Come again? Is that? Did you mean to say seven? But he was paroled after serving five. Stop it! Are you fucking kidding me? Mm-mm. I thought you meant to say seventy years, <laughs> and you accidentally said seven. <laughs> no. Here's the thing: Parnell was not charged with the numerous sexual assaults on Stephen and other boys because most of them occurred outside the jurisdiction of Merced, Merced so County. So what? Or were by then outside the statute of limitations. That's why statute of limitations needs to go. Let's get rid of it. Oh, my phones are ringing. Hold on. This is inappropriate. I can't get it to stop on my... Okay. It's fine. Keep going, Jenny. Keep going. Can you hear that, Kenny? A little bit, but let's just power through oh. it. Oh, God. Oh, wow. I don't know what that is. It's like a double ring. Jenny. I think we're good now. I don't hear any rings. Probably Jenny. Good to go. Okay, sorry. You might have to cut some of that out. Nah, we're just keeping it. Keep it in. There wasn't too much silence. Great. Jenny doesn't need to edit this. <laughs> it's a perfect episode. Okay, so um, here, here's, again, the 70s. I cannot Can we just talk about this? this? Um, a lot of times, so the county prosecutors acting almost entirely alone, decided not to prosecute Parnell for the sexual assaults um, in their jurisdiction, likely due to the belief that they were protecting, I put air quotes around that, everyone, Stephen, because rape and molestation victims were seen as damaged goods. Oh, my God. So they didn't want to bring up that he was sexually abused for seven actually, years. He was he was there for seven years. And this is the 80s. This is not the 70s anymore. At this point, yes, it is the 80s. But, like, all the, I mean, just What? Think how far we've come as come as to a society. Oh my god, I can't as a society talk today. <laughs> Think how far we have come as a society, yeah. though. To that was the mindset back in the seventies and the eighties. Like that is just yeah. They also said um, they felt like they were respecting Stephen's parents' reluctance to discuss Parnell's crimes because of the stigma of male sexual abuse. Huh? Huh? Stop it! I will punch you Shut in up. the face. I, uh, Okay. Okay. Murphy and Poorman, who were the two people that helped abduct these kids, uh, were convicted of lesser charges. Both claimed they knew nothing of the sexual assaults on Stephen. Of course. And Matthias, that woman, was never arrested. Really? Yeah. Stephen does say he remembered the kindness of Uncle Murphy Ugh. and that what he had shown him in the first week of captivity. Um... And he believed Murphy was as much Parnell's victim as he and Timmy were in the end, which I'm like, nah. No, that no. was an adult man mm-hmm. who stole you from somewhere with a lie? Nope. Like, nope. He sounds like a dick. Yeah. Okay. Um, so Stephen's kidnapping and its aftermath prompted California lawmakers to make change to state laws to allow consecutive prison terms in similar abduction cases. So at least some laws were changed. So it sounds like um, you can get consecutive prison terms. How can... You get closure. Like, how does, I wonder, do you have, like, how he is today? Or is, I'm sure there's probably not a lot of information on him. This is where it gets sad again. Oh, no. Um, After returning to family life, uh, Stephen had trouble adjusting because he had had so much freedom, shockingly, Uh being the victim of Parnell because he could drink, he could do whatever he wanted, he could go out. Like, as long as he came back, Parnell was cool with it. Yeah. Um, And so he... He said, I returned almost a grown man. He was 14. 
Um, and my parents still saw me as a seven-year-old who needed protected. So um, he said everything changed. Um, and he said sometimes I blame myself. And I don't know sometimes if I should have come home. That's so sad. So he underwent some brief counseling, but he never sought additional treatment. Um, he also refused to disclose all the details of his sexual assault. Um, he got on with life, but he was pretty messed up, is what his sister, one of his sisters had said. Uh, he was actually bullied by other children at school for being molested. I'm like, kids what? in the 80s, what the fuck is wrong with you? God, people suck. Stop. The 80s just need to go away. They sure do. Uh, so in 1985, though, Stephen married 17-year-old Jody Edmondson, and then they had two children together. Um, he worked with child abduction groups and spoke to children about personal safety, so that's all good. He gave interviews about his kidnapping. He joined the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, which I think is Mormon. Is that right? Mm, is it Mormon? Yeah. Okay. Um, and I thought it was Jehovah's Witness, but... Oh, I don't think so. No. Okay. I think Latter-day Saints is... I'll double check, but I'm okay. very sure it's Mormon. Okay. And then the saddest part of all this. On September 16th, 1989, Stephen sustained fatal head injuries while on his way home from work when his motorcycle collided with a car. So he died at the age, I think, of 24. Oh my God, what a sad life. 500 people attended his funeral. And at that time, 14-year-old Timmy White, who he rescued, was a pallbearer. Oh. Okay, that I mean, I will wrap it up now. Now that I've just told you the saddest thing ever. That is the saddest survival story I've ever heard. Um, I'm so sorry. My last two weeks have been so uplifting and about tortoises. Uh, ten years after uh, Stephen's death, uh, the city of Mer Merced, Merced asked its residents to propose names for the city parks honoring Merced's notable citizens. Stephen's parents proposed that one of them be named Stainer Park. Um, the idea was eventually rejected, though, because of Stephen's brother Carrie, oh, who had, who had been charged with murder, murdering four women. How about you? So now we just circle back to that part. Yeah. Now, now full circle <laughs> makes sense. But and they were worried that Stainer Park would be associated with Carrie rather than Stephen. Yes. Um. So in 2004, Parnell, now 72 years old, was convicted of trying the previous year to persuade his nurse to procure for him a young boy See? for $500. Lock them up. What the hell is wrong with people? The nurse was aware of Parnell's past, reported this to the local police, and Timmy White, then a grown man, was subpoenaed to testify in Parnell's criminal trial. Although Stephen was dead, his testimony at Parnell's earlier trial was read to jurors as evidence of Parnell's 2004 trial. Parnell died of natural causes of in 2008. Um, at the California Medical Facility in Vacaville, California, he was serving a sentence of 25 years to life. So I will say at least at one point or another, he got convicted and got... For trying to abduct, he got 25 years to life. Uh -huh. But for actually abducting and raping and molesting a kid, he got well, seven years. Well, for abducting, because they didn't, they didn't put any of the sex abuse on trial. Oh. They didn't. So... So messed up. Yeah. Um, Timmy White later became a Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department deputy. Go Timmy. But he died on April 1st, 2010 at the age of 35 from a pulmonary embolism. Jeez. Okay, off to weird news. <laughs> I'm so sorry. That is the saddest story ever. Um, but good job. Okay, but here, oh, wait, wait, okay. wait. I'll end on a good note. Okay. Um, 
residents of Ukiah, which I think is in California, uh, which was also White, Tim White's hometown, they carved a statue showing a teenage Stephen with a young Tim White hand-in-hand hand escaping their captivity. Fundraisers for the statue have stated that it is meant to honor Stephen Stainer and give families of missing and kidnapped children hope that they're still alive. Oh. So that's the nice note I'm going to leave it on, okay, is that, that was... yes, there were some tragic deaths after the fact, but their memory lives on. Some laws were changed. Yes. Things are going in the right direction. And it's not the 80s, and we do prosecute people for sexual yes. misconduct. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. <sighs> Sorry. That was a good, but, but that was good job. Thank that you. That wasn't an easy one to do. No, especially as the mother of a, yeah. a little boy. I was just like, I would fucking strangle. I would, I would kill someone. I, mean, I would actually probably be in jail, because I would just murder yeah. somebody. Yep. Yeah. So, anyway, that's my story. Kenny? Kenny? Weird news? Well, first off, Latter-day Saints is Mormon. So. <sighs> knew it so yeah. um a blank leaves two people hospitalized and neighbors hiding out during the day where is this Can in houston us? okay a blank leaves two people hospitalized and neighbors hiding out during the day hmm. is it an escaped jaguar <laughs> <laughs> The F-150 Jaguar? I don't know. I just, no, I mean like the I cat. Know, I know. <laughs> I know. But I, the first thing I thought it was a car. I mostly just wanted to say Jaguar. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what's your guess, Um. Oh, God. I don't even know. Um. Could it be? I'm thinking of, of an animal as well, like a bear on the loose or <gasps> a snake. Or a snake, uh, a, a gang of snakes. A gang of snakes, not <laughs> yes. just one. A gang. They a all, gang, they all wear bandanas. A, yeah, of the same the color. Snake gang. Yeah. It was a bloodthirsty squirrel. Oh, come on, stop it! I mean, there are those squirrels are. Listen, aggressive. when I was in college, I got chased by a squirrel. I'm not gonna lie. To you. I used to He's, feed them outside my apartment, and they are aggressive. It's rude. Don't do He's that. He's attacked a couple people. <laughs> I love him. He's attacked a couple people. Yeah. One person stated, when I stepped outside the door, he leaped on me and bit my arm. I pulled him off, threw him to the ground, and tried to get to the house. She said, I couldn't even get to the house because then he came back and bit my leg. <laughs> Does he have rabies? I, they haven't said that. They said it's just a squirrel that's like attacking people. They've contacted the police and animal control. Nothing has happened yet, but there's traps out to catch this bloodthirsty squirrel. I feel like this squirrel has He's, to have something wrong with him. He has issues. Like, I don't think squirrels just bite people. No. I don't think so. Unless they're unless they're provoked, and I'm guessing right. this person was not provoking. Or they have rabies, one of the two. That's like what I said. I feel like they would have said that in the article. Like, yeah. Right? Well, it's they may a, not know. a rabid squirrel. But if well, he bit I mean, someone, if they would know. If he bit someone, they would know. Oh, right. They would he, test that. Yeah. Yeah, I Shit. used to feed this squirrel outside of my apartment in Kent, and um, <laughs> it would pee around the food, so the other squirrels wouldn't go near the food. There, Ew. it was very, and it would stomp his foot, like thumper. But only it was a squirrel. It was very aggressive. <laughs> I can envision, envision this. Wow. Anyway. Wow. I wonder if that's, I'm envisioning like a really fat, aggressive squirrel yeah. just jumping on people. Mm-hmm. Just like a 20, 30 pounder. Or a bandit of snakes. <laughs> a with, gang. With knives. A gang of okay. snakes. A gang of snakes. With knives. Oh my gosh. Um, okay. Well, thank you guys for listening. We are so excited that you came and listened to us uh, at the old Sip Survive Repeat. Uh, join us next week when we talk about more survival stories. 
maybe it'll be more upbeat. I don't know. Get excited. We love you. Goodbye. Hey guys, it's Jenny from Sip, Survive, Repeat, and we love our listeners, but we want to get some more ratings and reviews. So if you guys could log on to Apple Podcasts and then give us a rating and a review, we'll send you a sticker. All you need to do is send us a screenshot of your rating and your review to either our email, sipsurviverepeat at gmail.com, or direct message us, or DM us as the kids like to say, on any social media. So all you have to do again is rate and review on Apple Podcasts and take a screenshot of that and send it to us at one of the channels I just mentioned. And we'll send you a Sip, Survive, Repeat sticker. And it's big, you guys. Size of your hand at least. So again, send it to us and we'll see you soon.